A pity party was so nice, I decided to do it again, this time with a different guest star. Uh, Neil from Devil State of Mind is appearing on this show to basically sulk in the misery of being a Devils fan currently. So we have a lot to discuss, and quite frankly, I mean that literally because I have to split this episode into two parts. So buckle up. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodor has got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup! Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast from the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. And the New Jersey Devils, well, their next game against the Pittsburgh Penguins has been canceled, so they are going to be off for about a week. And while uh, they have this time off, maybe they should do some reflecting, and basically maybe this will be a time for them to just overall sit down and just soak everything in and just uh, see where they want to go in terms of the direction they want to take this team in because we, the fans, are frustrated. I'm sure the players are frustrated. The front office is frustrated. But based on some recent tweets I've been seeing from Amanda Stein, essentially she said, that uh, Tom Fitzgerald loves uh, uh, Lindy Ruff. Overall, his communication with the players is second to none. His door is always open. He's always out and about. And Corey Massek, even though he doesn't cover the Devils anymore, he also tweeted something in regards to Tom Fitzgerald showing his support for Lindy Ruff. So, uh, to be honest with you guys, it doesn't look likely that uh, Lindy Ruff will be shown out the door anytime soon for the Devils organization. So, we're just going to have to suck it up. But, like I said, this time off, everybody coming back from COVID protocol so Nico Heizer, Jesper Boquist, and Ryan Graves were all back skating with the New Jersey Devils this morning during uh, their practice so it's good to finally have them back and maybe we could get some stability in terms of just having a full roster. I remember P.K. Subban was also placed on that list just for precautionary reasons and uh, as we all know P.K. Subban does have asthma so that also plays a factor so hopefully everyone is back and healthy and just ready to go but for the time being the Devils are just going to have some time to just uh, sit back, relax and during this Christmas break, they really need to assess what direction they need to take this team in. I know Tom Fitzgerald has been uh, expressing his support for Lindy Ruff, but he and Lindy Ruff really need to sit down and just think about what's best for the team because I I know Lindy Ruff is basically Tom Fitzgerald's guy and all, but the state of the team, we're taking a couple steps backwards. We have too much talent on this roster to be in the position we're currently in. So if you guys missed uh, my last episode, this is exactly what I was talking with Jersey Joe in terms of what's next for the Devils organization. And he gave a good analogy in which he said that the Devils have the ingredients to be successful. However, we don't have the right chef and we need to find the right one in order for us to be successful. Not only that, we need uh, the right sous chefs as well in order to run a successful kitchen and put our restaurant onto the map. So that's what our organization is at right now. So we have a lot of talent. We have uh, our two best players, Jack Hughes and Dougie Hamilton. We have a solid goalie in Mackenzie Blackwood. We have uh, the right assets surrounding them like Dawson Mercer, Thomas Tatar. Uh, we even have some past talent to help us out like P.K. Subban. We have up and coming talent uh, in our AHL program. 
So we, we have the talent both at the NHL and the AHL level. The thing is, how do we put it together? And that's the overall question that we're at right now because we're, we're kind of at an impasse in terms of just trying to get to the next level just because we've been struggling the last few games. It's frustrating. I know you guys are tired of me saying the same thing day in and day out, but it, it, it's just like a rinse cycle repeat kind of thing because it, it, the Devils, they struggle with goaltending. They struggle with power play. They struggle with defense. The offense is there inconsistently. And overall, this is what our downfall has been the last few games. And it's just been very frustrating. And some of the games that we've lost aren't even close. So, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, yes, it looked better on paper, I guess. But overall, anyone who watched the game knew that was not a good performance for the New Jersey Devils. And then the Detroit Red Wings game, flat out, we, we got blown out. And I expected a much better outing in that game. And, you know, I was glad that my prediction of Dawson Mercer asserting himself came correct. But I would much rather be incorrect about a minor prediction and be more correct about uh, the win because that's what we're focusing on right now. And this is deja vu because we lost like 10 games in a row last season. And last season, we didn't have the amount of talent that we have this year. And our expectations were pretty moderate, to say the least, just because I expected the Devils to be a dark horse wildcard team. Now, we can still very much be that, but it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of change in our organization because that's what's going to have to happen because we saw the same thing with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, They struggled to begin the year. They fired their head coach and Overall, uh, things got better for them uh, as the year progressed. Obviously, they had some other stuff to deal with, but uh, you you get the point of it. Then you see out in Winnipeg um, what happened with their organization, and then you see uh, the New York Rangers in our own division, Gerard Gallant, by the way. So uh, there's a lot of things that uh, the Devils just need to factor in, and it's just very frustrating for the average Devil fan to just sit down, watch a game, and just break it all down because no one really wants to talk about a game after we lost because, quite honestly, when when, when, when my team loses, whether it's in the NHL, NBA, MLB, I really don't want to just like talk about the overall loss just because it's frustrating to just, you know, ruminate on something like that because we've seen it with our own two eyes. We see the issues and it's just a an endless cycle of what we need to fix. But you know what? Uh, in yesterday's episode, I sort of did a pity party with Jersey Joe and I'm going to do the same thing here. So joining me on today's show is Neil from Devil State of Mind podcast. He's been on this show before. He guest starred on a couple of episodes over the summer with we talked about the expansion draft, our expectations going into free agency, what were his thoughts on the overall season uh, from that past year from the Devils. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different circumstance this time around, but I'm just glad that Neil was able to join and he brought up some interesting points. Neil is very passionate, like me, about the Devils. So you'll you'll hear him just go on an overall rant, but that's, that's good because this is what we need for our pity parties. We just need to let it all out there. So this is a safe place for Devils fans because we are struggling right now. So before we bring in Neil. I'm going to need some energy to match up with his, so I'm going to take myself a Bilt Bar before we get started. So if you need to know more about about a Bilt Bar, especially during this holiday season, well, it's the perfect time to grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, a Bilt Bar. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go for raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? The choice is up to you. Bilt Bar gives you the extra fuel you'll need to bust down those mall doors or just maybe battle other holiday shoppers and also maybe you just need some more stamina to stay in line. We, we've all been there before. It always gets very hectic during the holiday season because the season is of peace and love so you probably don't want to bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at a family party because people are so passionate about their favorite flavors. So are you friends with Santa? Well tell Santa to throw in a few Bilt Bars in those stockings and if you're extra good this year maybe your dream will come true. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday 
secret. Dip your Bilt Bar into a popping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt and give your beverage a bit of that Bilt Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Bilt Bar to go with it. Uh, FYI, you might want to have a couple napkins on, on standby just because that could get a little messy. So, you like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays? Well, you'll need uh, to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallow through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't even believe they're filled with protein. So, the offer is go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15. Lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. And now the second live read comes from betonline.ag. Please remember to gamble responsibly. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. Visit our friend at LockedOnBets to uh, get all your betting information there as well. So, let's bring in Neil from Devil state of mind and we're gonna have a pity party once again this episode was so nice i have to split it up twice in other words there's gonna be a part two for tomorrow's uh episode so stay tuned for that i am glad that neil decided to jump on because you know what as devils fans we just need to be there for one another and we just need to have a pity party have a safe place just to just let everything out so let's bring in neil everybody and have this discussion and now what do you get when you get two frustrated devils podcasters well you get an awesome crossover so it's Neil from Devil's State of Mind, and he is joining Locked On Devils to basically sulk in misery. So, welcome to my pity party, Neil. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, considering considering the last time we talked, we did a crossover, uh, a lot has obviously changed. Uh, some good, mostly bad, um, but, uh, but I'm happy to be here, and uh, I'm always... I'm always looking forward to talking Devils hockey, even if we're not doing so well right now. You know what? I, I hit you up yesterday because uh, I, I did a crossover with Joe from um, uh, yep. he, he does. He does a Devils podcast as well. Yep. And, uh, but basically, I was just like, you know what? Why not get another Devils personality to just basically sulk in the misery with me? Because right now, <laughs> I, I think my I think my uh, listeners are getting tired of me just repeating the same thing again and again and right. again and right. i'm tired of talking about it because what's the issue defense power play goaltending um we and the offense shows up at the most inconvenient moments right yeah i mean we're, we're in a we're in a very very frustrating position right now because this team is way more talented than the way they're playing right now we're 10 games if you count both the regular losses and also overtime, uh, overtime shootout losses, we are 10 games below 500, which is not where we want to be after 30 games. Um, somebody put out a tweet last night that said, this is the fewest amount of points uh, that we have had since, well, we, we had it last year in the 2020 uh, season, but we also... I think it was like 1920. And then also the last time after that was like in the eighties when we first got to New Jersey. So that just kind of shows you how bad things have gotten here with this team. And at the time of this recording, we're on a six game losing streak and in danger of making it seven going into the Christmas break, which I don't think any devils fan would like to be given uh, more coal for Christmas this year when it comes to adding on to another loss. So 
there's just so much wrong with the team. It's not just the, the thing is, it's not just one thing. It's not one thing that we can point at and say, this needs to get corrected and we'll be fine. It's a combination of many different things. The scoring is not consistent. Guys are not stepping up for some odd reason. I don't even remember the last time Jack Hughes did anything um, productive. I mean, I watched the game last night against Pittsburgh from start to finish. He was absolutely nowhere. I did not. I, I was wondering at times, was he even playing? Because he was so unbelievably quiet in the game. So there are top guys that are not being top guys. Then you have COVID-19, which has been frustrating to say the least. And granted, it's not like last year, but it's still frustrating. Now, luckily, we are getting some guys back with guys like Nico, Ryan Graves, and Boquist practicing. Um, but still, it's frustrating. Then we've dealt with injuries. Miles Wood may not even play this year. Um, you know, and then uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, albeit he was practicing today, has a neck injury. And speaking as also a New York football Giants fan, a neck injury is not the thing you want to hear when it's one of your top positional players. And it makes you very, very nervous about the long-term effect. And then yeah. we're dealing we're dealing with goaltending. We we played our sixth goaltender already this season. Regardless of COVID injuries or whatnot, this is the sixth goaltender we played this year already, and we're not even halfway through the season. So okay, so let me guess. So um, Mackenzie Blackwood, Jonathan right. Lumier, Scott Wedgwood, uh, yep. he's no longer on the roster anymore. Nico Dawes, Akira Schmidt, John Gillies, the new guy. That's that's six. That's six so we've already goals. used our we've already used uh, a goalie one A and goalie one B for the Utica Comets organization, haven't we? Yep we have uh, we have really ringed out um, our our depth chart when it comes to goaltending, and I, I don't I don't get how we can't have consistent goaltending from even just a health standpoint for more than a couple of games. It is incredibly frustrating, and then the biggest thing at the end of the day, honestly, Trey, is simply this. Special teams has become a joke. It really has. Now, I will say this. The penalty kill has steadily improved of late, so I will give them credit where credit is due. Um, You know, there was a five-on-three for Detroit two days ago, and the Devils were able to kill that off. Um, So I can say that the penalty kill has improved. It's not a tire fire like it was last year. But the power play is the worst I've ever seen from any team in the NHL. I mean, you, we've scored 11 power play goals, but given up seven shorthanded goals. And I know that people will argue this, but it, but to me, it's very true. The difference in last night's 3-2 to two loss was a shorthanded goal. That wasn't the game-winning goal, but you shouldn't be giving up that many shorthanded goals on a consistent basis. Um and it sucks when you have fans at the state at, at, at the rock chanting fire recce, fire rough. You don't want to be in that position. You don't want to have to make your voice heard like that uh, because the team is not doing anything. Now, my only reason as to why nothing has changed is squarely for two reasons. One, I think that Fitzgerald is somewhat afraid to make any drastic changes to shake up the locker room, which I think is, uh, which is a very, very sad way of looking at it. I, I, I don't think that that's the case, but I think it's a possibility. The other one is this. I think that Fitzgerald is waiting till after Tuesday's game against Pittsburgh to do something because then we're going to have about five days off 
before we play our next game the, uh, a week from Tuesday against St. Louis, which will give the Devils some time to make a decision and then bring in someone else. I don't know if they're going to keep all the coaches. I don't think they should, but the only guy that I could see you can keep and maybe even make the interim head coach is Elaine Nazardine because I thought Nazardine did a, did a decent job as the interim head coach the last time he was here. But again, he's not, he's, he's just as responsible as everyone else on this staff. So, you know, I, I think if you fire rough, you got to fire them all. That's the way that I look at it. And I know that's tough because we're only 30 games in, but this season has been slipping away more and more and more. And we are four losses away from tying the same amount of losses on a losing streak that we had last year. We went on a 10-game losing streak last year. We're four losses away from that being the case. If we lose the rest of our game, the next four games, by the time we hit January 1st of 2022, we will be on a 10-game losing streak. So all of this just comes back to, as I've said in the last several episodes of the Double State of Mind podcast, Changes need to be made and they need to be made as soon as possible because you are losing the you are losing the season, you are losing the players, and you are losing the fans. You're losing it all to the point where we're once again getting to the getting there where people are starting to wonder who we're going to take in the first round of the NHL draft next season. Well, uh how long have you been holding that in, Neil? Just 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 curious. Um well, I mean, I said it in my episode that came out earlier today. So, I mean, I haven't really been holding it in. I've been saying I, I'm just a broken record at this point. I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And that's where I've gotten to in my episodes where I say to my listeners, what do you want me to say? There's nothing that I can say that's going to be any different than what I said in the last several episodes. Changes need to be made and they need to be made as soon as possible because I understand that firing a coach and bringing in someone else may not immediately make things better. But at least it's something. That's the way I look at it. Fans are looking at it like at least it would, at least then you're showing the fan base that you are not okay with what's going on. You look at Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks are the best example of what happens when you make a coaching change. Vancouver has won six, seven in a row since Bruce Boudreau took over as the head coach of the Canucks. To add they, on, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, to add on to that, the Blackhawks also fired. Well, you know, the, the context was a, a, a little bit different, but they, they fired their head coach. Call it. Uh, yep. Yeah. After the, the scandal broke out mm-hmm. and the, the Blackhawks were struggling. At, uh, the, the Blackhawks were, I believe they were struggling. Uh, really struggling. The at the time. Yeah, they were really struggling to begin the year. And once they fired their head coach, they saw some improvement. So it's just like, yeah, yeah just, just to go off what you were saying. No, and Colleton, more or less, in my opinion, was fired because of just how bad the team was, because he really had nothing to do with the Blackhawks scandal. That was just one of the many things that were added on to the level of inconsistency. And then you look at Florida. Florida's a great example. Florida had Joel Quenville. Joel Quenville was forced to step down. They bring in the interim head coach. They're still rocking and rolling. They're still one of the top five teams in the NHL. And it's it's it, these are several examples of oh, the oh devil- one, one more example. One more example. Gerard Gallant, New York Rangers, because last year the Rangers were, were kind of on the fringe of making the playoffs. We're kind of, I've said it on my show before, and I've covered this uh, topic for Pucks and Pitchforks, which, which is that um, the Rangers are sort of like us. They're a young, up-and-coming team, and mm-hmm. that we kind of drew comparisons to them, like if not last year, the year before, just because yeah. young team, up-and-coming, 
was mm-hmm. once dominant in the NHL, now is looking for scraps. But right. now look at Gerard Gallant, and he was one of the candidates that the New Jersey Devils were looking for back in July of 2020 for their next yeah. head coach. And I think we passed on him. I think Peter Laviolette uh, wanted more money, but uh, we, we didn't give it to him. But, like, look where the Washington Capitals are at. Look at where the New York Rangers are at. Both of them are competing for the top spot in the yep. Metropolitan Division. And those are two candidates that the Devils passed on in favor of Lindy Ruff. So it's just like that also does not help Lindy Ruff's case because it, you, you can make the argument that the Washington Capitals are a veteran-led team. They have one of the best players to ever play the game on their roster in Ovechkin. And, you yep. know, like I said, they're, they're mostly veterans. They're mostly old guys. They're one of the oldest teams in the NHL. Yeah. So you can make that argument for them. But for the Rangers, they're sort yep. of like us. They have a young, up-and-coming, uh, a lot of good players. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, – um, Lafreniere, Lafreniere. I don't think he's lived up to the hype of being the first overall pick. He's not taking the Jack Hughes route, which is he has a first bad year, first uh, year is terrible. Then he redeems himself somewhat. It seems like he's not right. going anywhere. And then you know, uh, I think Miller's taken a few steps back. But you see someone mm-hmm. like Adam Fox. He has stepped up his game, mm-hmm. and um, j- j- and he won the Norris last year. So looking at the Rangers, it's just like you know we're supposed to be in their position, which is we're we're trying to like compete with the talent yeah. we have, but yet somehow, some way you look where the Rangers are at and look where the Devils are at last year, Rangers fringe playoff team. Now they're, they're contenders and they're legit. And this is where I would, I go to bat for Tom Fitzgerald because I can understand why people have been critical of him hiring Lindy Ruff and keeping him on for as long as the Devils have kept him on. I put more blame and more emphasis on the ownership, not doing everything they need to do to win. Um, if Joshua Harris and David Blitzer, well, now it's more David Blitzer since Josh Harris kind of took took a, a step, you know, step aside a little bit. Um, they chose not to give the extra money to uh, Peter Laviolette. Laviolette wanted just extra money, which to me doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And Laviolette has taken multiple teams to the Stanley Cup final and won a Stanley Cup. He knows what it takes to win. He knows what the team needs to do in order for in order to compete that's the that's the biggest thing he, he won with the hurricanes right uh yeah he took carolina to the cup he um he took the uh philadelphia Predator. flyers to the stanley cup finals he took nashville predators to stanley cup finals right. so he's taken three different teams to uh the cup final uh when he was when he was there is it possible that he could take the capitals to the finals yeah i think there's a very good possibility with the way getting knocked out in the first round though or he may get knocked out of the first round. Who knows? But you look at Laviolette and I say, well, that was just a case of the Devils just didn't want to pay extra money, which to me is just something that I'm used to. And then with Gerard Gallant, the, the reasoning that I got, which and I've seen, was that the Devils were looking for more of a what they put as developmental coach, which I'm going to be very honest with you. That's not Lindy Ruff. That's not. That's never what he was. Um, he you won want, a lot. You want development. Didn't Gerard Gallant take the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup Finals in their exactly. first inaugural season? How is that he, not developing? Like and you he know, did, he did take Florida to the playoffs as well. It's not like he wasn't that good in Florida either. Um, the the reality is simply that, and I've said it before on Devil's State of Mind that the Devils as they've done in years past, took the third option. Whether that be coaches, whether that be players, 
whatever the case may be, they took the third option. They had opportunities to make bombshell type moves to really, really catch people's attention and really kind of show the fans and the rest of the league that the devils are not playing, devils are not playing around, but then they end up just not doing what they need to do. So now we're in a position where Lindy Ruff, to me, it's clear that the game has passed him by, that his system is not based around the team that we have right now. And the most controversial thing that I've said of late that I think a lot of people have actually agreed with is this. Lindy Ruff's system is just John Hines with a little bit more scoring. It really isn't that much different. uh, Jersey Joe brought that up in yesterday's uh, crossover between me and him. He said, um, uh, I'm not sure if he he mentioned it or you mentioned it, but either way, I've heard that before. Just John Hines with a lot more. Yeah, Joe Joe and I have talked about that a bunch. He agrees with me that it it basically is John Hines with a little bit more scoring. And that really is the the problem because we're just seeing a lot of the same things over and over again. And Trey, you, you and I agree on this 100%. This team is way too talented to be where it is right now. This team is way, 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 way too talented. The Philadelphia Flyers have now somehow figured it out once they let go of um, Elaine Vigneault. They've won several in a row. They've seen to, they've gotten themselves back to 500. They've been playing a lot better. What is stopping the Devils from doing what already four or five other teams in the National Hockey League this year have done? What is stopping them? The only thing to me personally that is stopping them is the ownership not giving Fitzgerald the opportunity to do so. People like to say, People like to defend the ownership and say, well, they said that Tom Fitzgerald has full control of hockey operations. Well, there's a lot more that goes into that than just the game itself. There's also the financial aspect as well. I don't think the devil's organization or ownership would want to let go of somebody that they haven't fully paid yet and that they'd have to buy out and give money to over a period of time. Nobody likes to do that. So How long is this contract? I thought it was three years. His contract, as far as anybody's been able to figure out, is about three years. So the good news is is that it wouldn't necessarily last that long. And the thing is, is that the expectation when Lindy Ruff got hired was that he was here for two or three years to get this team where it needed to be to progress and get better. So that by the time his contract runs up, we bring in someone else who's a little bit more analytically inclined, somebody who knows the game, the way it's played now a lot more, and go from there. The problem is, is that, we are not progressing. We are regressing. You can see it. The biggest example, Ty Smith is having an awful sophomore campaign. He makes so many mistakes. He just he doesn't seem confident in himself. Not only that, uh, you got Sharon Govich and Quokin and also taking steps back in their uh, sophomore years. And it's just like, you know, I as you know, Sharon Govich was my favorite player last year because I just loved his story. I know. I loved his come up. I loved um, – overall what he brought to the roster and how he just established himself first game of or second game of the year against the Boston Bruins last season. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, 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 he, oh. he's had his moments. He's had his moments. Um, Trey, I wanted to let you know, I just got word that the Devils game against Pittsburgh on Tuesday has been postponed due to uh, COVID-related issues. So the Devils, Christmas, are, now, the Devils are now officially on Christmas break until the 20, 27th. Yeah, 27th of uh things so now would be a perfect time to make the move now you've got a freaking week before your next game this will be the perfect time to do that because right now you have no games to play so you know look to me 
I have to look back. Here, here's here's the thing that that really has hit home for me the last forty eight hours. Paul Maurice shockingly resigned as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets earlier last week. And we were all stunned because look at Winnipeg. Winnipeg's got 33 points, and they're only three points out of a playoff spot right now. They're right in the thick of things. They're in a very good position. But Paul Maurice said when he spoke to the media after he resigned, he said, this is a damn good hockey team, and they need a new voice in here. He took it upon himself to say that he is the reason this team is not playing the way it needs to play and that it's better for the organization as a whole for him to step down, which you have to give him a lot of credit for doing so. I wish that Lindy Ruff, who sort of did this after the Tuesday, after the, excuse me, the Saturday night debacle against Detroit, said it's really on me for the for the reason why the team is playing poorly. Well, if it's on you and things are not improving, then what you're doing is basically this, saying to the to the GM of the team, I can't figure it out. And the option, and you have two options: either Lindy Ruff can do what Maurice did and resign, or the Devils have to fire him. Because you are losing people left and right. You are losing belief. And I'm sorry, the team is not listening to Lindy Ruff. It's falling on deaf ears. He took a timeout after going down 3-1 to one against Detroit on Saturday. And he was yelling and screaming at the players. What happened? We lost 5-2. to two. Like, we got blown out anyway. It didn't, didn't change gave, the game we, at all. We gave, we gave Dylan Larkin uh, a hat trick uh, within the first two periods. And... You know, I get Dylan Larkin is great and all, but something like that cannot, that something like that cannot happen. No, One thing I was glad about the Detroit outcome was that I predicted in in my previous show to that game was that Dawson Mercer, it was time for him to start making some sort of impact because he went the previous four games without doing anything, and he had a plus minus <laughs> a negative four in that span. So, you know, that's another thing. I just feel like the players who should be thriving just aren't thriving right now. Because, you know, like, like I just want to backtrack a little bit. What were your, we, we talked about this during the course of the summer as of like your reactions to the previous season. Right. We, we get all that, but we didn't really, but you know, when we did our crossover, um, the expansion draft hadn't happened yet. Um, yeah. The entry level draft hadn't happened yet. I don't believe. And mm-hmm. um, w- w- what else? Uh, free agency certainly didn't happen. So it's just like, right. we, we weren't able to, you know, fully uh, dissect what our expectations were for the devils coming into that season. Because right. at that point we were talking about who would, who was going to be picked up in the expansion draft of course. Uh, by, by uh, the, the Seattle Kraken. So right. it's just like, my thing is, is like, what were your expectations coming into this season for the devils? And you know, how much have they disappointed you? Did they meet expectations? Did they mm-hmm. exceed it? Uh, certainly not, but you know, did, <laughs> did they, did they fall expectations? If so, how fall, how much, uh, how much did they like just dip, below your expectations my expectation I didn't really have expectations prior to free agency or anything like that because I wanted to see what the team did in the offseason and then I could kind of go from there Uh, by the time we reached the first game of the season on October 15th my expectation was that this was a team that was either going to make the playoffs as like the eighth seed as the second wild card seed or they were just going to miss out on the playoffs by a point or two like this you know I was going off of what Tom Fitzgerald had said in the end of the season meetings after last year. He said he wanted this team to have meaningful games in March and April, which if that's what we're going off of, that means that this team is competing for a playoff spot, that this team is fighting to get into the postseason. Which we still very well could do, but things have got to change ASAP. We have 52 games left to go in the season. 
the, the, here's the thing. People were hyping up the Metropolitan Division, saying it's a very difficult division. Outside of the Hurricanes, um, Rangers, and also uh, Capitals, it's really anyone's game. It just, no. it, it just depends on who catches fire at the right possible time. Because, exactly. you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're good. Nothing spectacular. Well, I mean, they've won six in a row. So, you know. Well, you, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, it, and Malkin's coming back, so, you know. Well, they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year, so I guess I didn't consider <laughs> that. But, you know, but you know, it, they're ahead, but they're not ahead by that much. And mm-hmm. the same with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think the only team that's pretty much out of this is the New York Islanders, quite honestly. So I think it's – I think even with the Islanders, it's still too early to tell. I think that they could get out of it. Because, but I, I don't really I, – I still can't quite figure out what exactly is going on in, on the island and why they haven't been able to, to generate anything, but – I thought going they would be a the, guaranteed playoff team, quite honestly. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought this was a team that once again was going to be competing to get into you know postseason contention and make a run potentially in the postseason. But I, I look at going into the season and the Devils got off to the start that I was expecting that this team was going to surprise people. They were going to compete and they were going to win games that last year, in many ways, we didn't think they were going to win. And you go to the highest point of the season so far for us when we were 7-3-2. and two, We had blown out the Florida Panthers on national TV. We had shut out the New York Islanders at home. That was the highest of highs. Even if you want to go a little further than that, go to when we came back from down two goals in the third period to Tampa Bay in Tampa and beat them. That and was you know, like the you high- know fun facts? Uh, the, I think the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning went leading after the second period. They were on a 30-0 and 2 streak, I believe. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, they they had really and they were also on a nine-game winning streak at home at that time. We broke several streaks that they had had going into that game. So that was the highest of highs where we felt like, okay, we have the, you know, th- this we we have the pieces in place. But since then, we have gone something like 3-14 and like 3. And that to me is just inexcusable for how talented this team is. And you mentioned Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer is one of the many examples of a guy who has incredible hockey talent, incredible goal-scoring ability, and the organization sucks the life out of him to the point where he looks like he doesn't know how to play hockey anymore. And that's the thing that has been driving me nuts for the last eight, nine years with this team, that we have these young guys that come up and they look like they can never play hot. They've never played hockey before in their lives. And to me, it's, it's a question of, I, I don't think it's a question of scouting. I think we do a very good job of scouting. I think it's a whole organizational philosophy. I think that they, they feel that because this team is so young, we have to play a very, very, you know, low scoring, tight checking type of hockey instead of just going out there and playing what I call fire wagon hockey, which is putting pucks to the net, being ultra aggressive, taking some chances. We're, we're not doing that. We're just allowing other teams to do what they want. And you can see how the team doesn't believe in itself right now. They don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in the coaching staff. And every day, you could just see how much more and more frustrating the players are getting when they talk to the media and they have to explain once again why we didn't win whatever game we just played. So, and I put this out yesterday, and it was ironic that you reached out to me right after I put this tweet out there that said, I don't know if I'm more tired with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the outbreaks in the National Hockey League, or just the bad play that this Devils team has been giving us the last several weeks. Both of them have drained me so much, and it's so frustrating because it's just another year 
where we feel like the season is already going to be over and we're 30 games into it. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but speaking to somebody who has seen this team year in and year out, get off to a good start. Then December, January comes and we're, we're starting to play like crap again. And by the time we get to the trade deadline, well, we're just looking to see who can we get of any value, you know, who are we going to trade away? It's like the same song. It's, it's wash, rinse, repeat over and over again. And I'm – I really hope we don't become sellers at the deadline. I really hope we do not become sellers. Well, if we keep playing like this, we're going to be sellers 100%, and that's the problem. Who that's the trade, problem. Though? Like, who, who, who's going to be on? It's got to be somebody who has a one-year deal. So it, it could be Jimmy Vesey for nothing. Um P.K. Subban, he might be more of value because he'll only have something like $3 million left on his contract by the Call time he trade. Call me crazy, but I actually am willing to bring back Subban for a much, 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 can't reiterate this enough, much cheaper deal. Like, I, well, again, I've, I've said this on my show. It's just like, I, I, he's a former Norris Trophy winner. His tenure with the Devils has not been good. His production this year is no is nothing special. But, you know, I'd rather have someone like him on my bottom four defense just because I feel like he adds depth. The, the pro, see, the thing for me is this. First of all, everyone has to understand the Devils did not give P.K. Subban that $9 million contract. That was Nashville. Nashville, they wanted to move it because they realized that it was a bad move. And the Devils, in a panic move to try to keep Taylor Hall here, made the move to bring him in, and it was a very, very bad decision. And now we're paying for it every single year. To me, unless unless there are better options out there, which I, I would assume that there were, there are, there are going to be, I guess I wouldn't be totally opposed to it, but it's just – he just doesn't play defense. I would rather stick him as a, as an extra forward than play him at defense because he just doesn't do the job that he's asked to do. Now, granted, when he plays with someone like Jonas Siegenthaler, who is a very, very good, very, very balanced defenseman, he does look better. But when he's playing along with someone like Ty Smith, uh, it, it, he starts to make a lot of mistakes that are not that that cost this team left and right. But I'm trying not to think about. You know, what are the Devils going to do with the deadline? What are they going to do in the offseason? What are they going to do? I'm not trying to think about any of that. I'm just constantly sitting here hoping that at some point the Devils make the right decision, which to me is to remove the coaching staff because we are not getting any, we're not getting any better. We're getting worse in many ways. And that's what's, that's what's fearing me is that we are allowing these guys, these young players to continue to regress in their second years to the point where they are going to not be able to get back to any sort of consistent, really good levels that they were at before. And even guys like Jack Hughes are not the same after they can't, like, it just, it's not good. They're, they're not doing what they need to do. So all in all for me is that the first step towards turning this around, whether it be turning it around for this year or just in general, is to remove the coaching staff. You have to do so. That's the only thing we haven't tried yet. And it can't hurt. You really have nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean, I want to go back to a claim you made saying that you sometimes forget that Jack Hughes is on the rink. Um, I talked about it in uh, the episode that my reaction episode to the Vegas Golden Knights game. You know, he, he was able to score the first goal of the game, make it one nothing, And then um, right. late in the third period, he got a goal. Unfortunately, the doubles were offsides, which, by the way, I didn't really see anything. I didn't 
I, am I crazy? To, or... to me, it was obvious. No, it, it was obviously offsides. It was it was Zaka. Zaka's entire two skates were beyond the beyond the line before Hughes even entered the zone. So it was offside. It was the right call. Okay, it was the right call. Okay. Well, either way, so I guess I am crazy in this sense, but maybe I just didn't <laughs> see it. But um, so Jack Hughes gets a goal late in period number three. Now, I did admit in the very next episode that his line did not perform well. His line mm-hmm. was not good at all, especially, I believe, in the face-off department as well. Um, but I said that could be a confidence booster for Jack Hughes just because I'm expecting a little bit more from him just because and I think this shoulder injury really put him two steps behind just because, you know, here's a guy who just needs to learn how to like, you know, get, how would I say this? Get hit. Like I said this in the show, like he needs to watch film basically of how to position himself better because he keeps setting himself up to get hurt or to get injured. Mm-hmm. But the, his downfall was, and I saw a tweet and I kind of agree with this. The reason for that is Jack Hughes went straight from Team USA to the NHL. Yeah. Unfortunately, him not taking the college route kind of is his Achilles heel just because I feel like college is that happy medium where you you, uh, see guys who are bigger than you. You see a lot of talent who could potentially get to the NHL or you see a lot of people who are already drafted, uh, things like that. He's not taking the route that his brother took which was, you know, go to college and just basically, you know, just see how it is because Quinn Hughes uh, went to college. Luke Hughes is currently in college right now. Yeah. Jack Hughes is the only one out of all three of them to not go to college. So my thing is, and, you know, maybe rightfully, no, no, no. Owen Power was first overall pick and he still went to college. But, you know, still, it's just like I feel as though Jack Hughes just not um, just not going to college just didn't really prepare him for the big boys at the NHL. And he's a small guy, but so is yeah. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is a small guy and is the greatest American player to ever play the game of hockey. But for Jack Hughes, uh, he needs to go back to what his Team USA days taught him, which is he needs to use his hockey IQ. And that's what the one thing I saw mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year because he was like tops in our team in takeaways after the first two games of the year. And right. he was tops in the NHL for top takeaways too. And this is just two games in. Right. But, but I- you know, that, that's my opinion. The, the, the see well first of all there's we can't go back now and and redo what what we did I, I believe that Jack Hughes came to the NHL as quick as he did because again he was part of the whole pressure of we need to convince Taylor Hall to stay here long term and that was he was part of that it was Jack Hughes it was PK Subban we got Nikita Gusev we brought in Wayne Simmons we did all of that to try to get Taylor Hall to see that we're we're getting back to where we were in 1718 and we need and we're going to go from there. But Jack Hughes at times, I think, can be somewhat timid. I think that sometimes he shies away from getting hit. I think going to college would have benefited him. Uh, as you could see, it benefited uh, Quinn Hughes a lot. It's going to probably benefit Luke Hughes a bunch. And I think for Jack Hughes, first of all, Jack Hughes is one of the unluckiest players I've ever seen play the game of hockey. I mean, they Tatar as well. I mean, but Jack Hughes, look at him. First year. The team falls apart right at the beginning of the season. His head coach gets fired. His GM gets fired. The star player gets traded. You go into the next season, you got COVID, a shortened season. He gets up. He ends up getting COVID. He loses 20 pounds of weight that he put on. And, the you know, it was a crazy year with a new GM and a new coach and everything like that. If And I remember that someone put this out there. If and when Lindy Rupp gets fired, because it's all but certain at this point, Trey, 
Jack Hughes will then be getting already his fourth NHL coach since he got into the league. Don't you think that's also another reason why they're hesitant to fire Lindy Ruff? Because you want to play around your star player. So, and Jack Hughes is obviously our star player, arguably our best player aside from Dougie Hamilton, maybe. But it's just like, you know, he needs an established system in order to thrive. So basically, that's the final point of today's episode. Part two will be posted tomorrow. Once again, thank you to Neil from Devil State of Mind for once again taking the time to appear on the show and join me in my pity party. So once again, we will pick up right where we left off in tomorrow's episode. So the final assessment for today's episode was that maybe Jack Hughes uh, is the reason why Lindy Ruff is here to stay for the time being just because the Devils are trying to, to establish an identity and uh a set system just for the sake of having their star players have some sort of stability but obviously uh things aren't really going well uh in the meantime so uh that that also puts uh things into question but overall like i said we'll talk more about it in tomorrow's episode and we'll talk more about maybe what's going to happen to lindy ruff we're going to see overall opinions and basically uh yeah like i said at the beginning of today's episode i don't think lindy ruff is going anywhere but that doesn't mean we have to like him so thank you for listening to today's episode once again part two will be posted tomorrow so continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day new jersey that's all the time i have for you guys today go devils and let's hope they take this time off to just really do some reflecting and just uh see where they want to go in terms of direction now i will catch you in tomorrow's episode once again thanks for listening and go devils